Great to have Andy and Ange from Heartbeat of Football on the back peg this week. And Laze have a really good cause. And you yourself can uh, speak to it. Indeed, indeed. So uh, I'm actually just fresh off um, spending time with uh, Angelo and Andy this evening. Uh, we're recording later on Wednesday night. I happen to be at the Australia Cup game between Sydney Olympic and Blacktown City FC, um, which uh, the heartbeat of football actually ran a event out there uh, to go and get tested. And uh, yeah, I got myself tested as well. So uh, really good, um, really good event uh, to be a part of. And uh, the game itself wasn't too bad either. Actually, Sydney Olympic winning 3-1, so they've knocked out Blacktown City in the Australia Cup. Uh, These are all preliminary rounds, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are indeed. So they're still with the um, New South Wales preliminary rounds, but uh, that was out at Belmore Sports Ground early this evening. So, um, yeah, but uh, really good to catch up with uh, Angelo and Andy as well. And, um, yeah, look, you know, so it was great to have them on the pod and great to catch up with them in person. Absolutely. And as we say, if you... Uh, can spare some change and can, are able to donate. We have put a link to the donation on the Hard Football website on mm-hmm. our socials, yep. so you can uh, find an easy way to go and uh, put some money in if you if you feel so inclined. Yep. No pressure at all, and uh, it's, a, it's a very good cause and really doing some good work off the back yeah, of it. Yeah, really good cause. Um, yeah, go to the heartbeatoffootball dot com dot au slash make it red. Um, like we said, the dates are Friday, April twenty eighth to Sunday the thirtieth of April. Um, and uh, I noticed that Football St George in Sydney are actually behind it as well now, and there's a yeah, there's a bit a lot of traction around it. So uh, good to see um, grassroots football and um, MPL football um, in Sydney, and hopefully uh, we can get um, Victorian counterparts and Queensland counterparts involved in this make it red round. Absolutely, it's coming up at the end of the month, and uh, yeah, the more as I say, the more people can get involved, the better. Uh, but Laz, we've been talking about. Uh, heart health, but what mm-hmm. your eye this week? Where do you start? Where do you start, Nathan? Actually, let me, let me flip the question. What do you want to talk about? I have a laundry list of things I'd like to bring up tonight. I figured you did, <laughs> and I'm hoping that I'm hoping it's different to what I've actually noticed. Although part of it, there's obviously going to be some congruence with what we've, mm. you know, with what we've uh, got on our uh, items. But yeah, let's have a look. Let's have a listen. Go for it. Hit me with it. Well, Let's we're not here football. to do we're not here to do uh, match reviews, but no. I do want to point to Liverpool against Arsenal on the weekend. Which part of Liverpool versus Arsenal in particular? Because I've got a couple of talking points out of that. And there I don't, is. yeah, and look, we're cognizant. I think we speak for I think I speak for both of us. We're cognizant that this is not an EPL review show, right? It's a holistic view of the football world in general. And but there were a couple of things that out of that game, which I think go to the heart of the game globally. Yes, and for mine, that was one of the best games of this season in the league. Agree. Just the way it all was coming to a crescendo towards the end. And I think if you offered Arsenal a point when they went 2-0 up, Mm -hmm. they'd be angry with it. But by the end of it, gee whiz, they're lucky to get away with a point because Liverpool were coming on so strong there. As flawed as Liverpool have been this season at times, their home form is actually really good. And yep. it's just the away form, particularly to clubs far below them in the table that have really let them down this season. Um, mm-hmm. Arsenal, yes, drop points. But really, we covered it off on Saturday night on British Football Watch that mm. 
it's a ground that they really have struggled at. They haven't won there, I think it was, since 2012. Yeah. So I don't think they would have got into it expecting a win, hopeful, and maybe a 2-0 up. They took the foot off the gas a little bit, tried to consolidate, but that didn't work out. But, Laz, there was one other big talking point from this game at halftime that I want to bring up. Go on. It's the issue here between Andy Robertson and the linesman. Okay. Constantine Hatsidakis. Constantine Hatsidakis. Yes, as we would put him in Greek. Constantinos Hatsidakis. Yes. Good old Constantine. I'll defer to, to, I'll defer to the Greekman on the on the show yep. to pronounce the Greek yes. name. <laughs> yes, correct, correct, correct. Yes, what do you want to talk about uh, with regard to old uh, Constantine and Robertson and Roy Keane and anybody else that's got their two bits worth here? I couldn't help but laugh at hear about Roy Keane's comments. I thought he was spot on. It, it's just funny the way he uh, goes about his phrasing. Yeah, it's going to sound such a baby. Mm. He's such a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's going to do a cut up and add a Barry White version of Bieber right into that. <laughs> that's that's on the cards. It's going to come. So, um, oh yes, yeah. And much to the uh, upsetting of my Liverpool friends, uh, I have to agree with Roy Keane. And I have to actually. What are your th- actually before I go on? What your my thoughts are? What are your thoughts? More importantly, I want to hear what your thoughts are because you're a. Why are my thoughts more important, Les? I'll tell you why. Because you're a Man U fan. <laughs> so I can't look at something that involves a Liverpool player objectively, can I? Well, no. It, what it does? <laughs> yeah, is, just stop short for, from saying correct. <laughs> no, you're yeah, correct. <laughs> That's right. What it does is it actually gives us a scope to work back from. Mm. So let's let's hear your objective point of view. Because it is objective, right? In inverted commas, as as uh, objective as it can be. As objective as it can be. And I'm not going to try and do a Gary Neville and then swing the complete other way just to try and appear impartial. <sighs> as he uh, is, is often uh, the criticism that landed at Gary. Gary Neville is a completely different podcast altogether. Mm-hmm. But yes, anyhow. But this is the back peg. And yes. for mine, I think we want referees to be strong mm-hmm. in conversational moments. We want referees to... Have a spine, mm-hmm. be strong, mm-hmm. leaders on the pitch, which they need to be to really get the players under control. Agree. And yes, Robertson was in his ear throughout pretty much the entire first half. There was a Agree. couple of flashpoints down in the corner mm-hmm. prior to half time. He yes. goes up and has another another chat to the Lino and looks like he grabs him a little bit, but then the Lino does raise an elbow and looks like it looks like a physical retaliation. Okay. And well, what do you think should happen? I think the Lino, I think he has to have a decent long spell without refereeing a game. I'm tempted to say he should never referee the Premier League again. How long? I disagree with you. How long? It should be months. I disagree with you. Because we can't have referees lashing out at players just as much as we can't have players lashing out at referees. Hang on a second. Which one was worse? The knee in the nuts from the Mexican referee or this elbow (laughs) in the throat? Like it wasn't even a proper elbow. Come on. Didn't even hurt. I mean, it even hurt if you want me to be strong about it, they're both terrible and they both should lose their job over it. Okay, so the referee in Mexico got 12 weeks for the knee in the nuts. If you're if you're kneeing someone in the nuts, like well, as a referee, that is something I think that job is untenable. Listen, you know, different strokes for different folks and different markets, right? So <laughs> who am I to tell a referee how to actually mm. handle his business in, in Liga MX, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> well, we're the back pig podcasters, but... Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I actually find the comical side of that, and I shouldn't, right? I mean, we're looking at it from a sports business perspective, a football business perspective, a sports administration perspective. However, come on, you've got to laugh when you see that. It's just hilarious. Now, 
would I like a referee kneeing me in the nuts? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have to be a referee either. Just uh, you can stop yeah. shooting anybody. <laughs> exactly right. Now, would I, would I want a, a referee to raise an elbow against my throat, like just actually kind of fend me off? Uh, no, but also I wouldn't be right up in a referee's face, right, invading his personal space. Okay, there's a way to talk to referees and linesmen. Robertson, right, carried himself off like an absolute tool, all right? And I agree with you in part that um, Hajidakis or Hazidakis, sorry, I've got to call him by his Greek name because it just comes <laughs> off the tongue as here. But Hazidakis actually um, should get a small spell, right, not a long one. But you know what? Robertson should too. Robertson should be disciplined. The yellow card is not enough. You cannot be up in the bee bonnet or the face of the linesman or the referee. I don't care who you are. I'm sorry, right? Mitrovic got eight weeks. He should have gotten more for that. The Canio right. got 11 or 12 back in the day, right? And we all laughed about it at the time. One of you thought it was comical because of the way that the referee fell. But you can't touch an official. You can't get up right up in the face. And you know what? Robertson was right in the face. He was not like, hey, a hand away, right? He was right mm-hmm. up in the guy's face at half time. Number one, with what right? Who the hell do you think you are? We're talking about respect for referees. That's not respect. Now, by the same token, respect is a two-way street. Sure. But if you I've always found that if you actually talk to the linesman or talk to the referee in a particular way. They'll respond in kind. You don't have to be a fucking genius to figure that out. I'm sorry. <laughs> really, I mean, and Roy Keane is 100% correct. I wish we had the grab so we could actually play it because he is a baby. Mm, yep. Isn't it? This guy is the captain of Scotland. Are you mm-hmm. So hang on. So in a World Cup game, let's say hypothetically, Andy Robertson is playing for Scotland in a World Cup quarterfinal. Something doesn't go his way, right? And he's speaking to a non-English speaking linesman. Is he going to get up in the in the bonnet of this guy? What do you think? I mean, isn't that a fair question? It is a fair question. And look, they're both in the wrong as far as I'm concerned. 100%. And off the back of it in the fallout, we're seeing some reports of they're going to introduce a two-meter rule around the officials. That's bollocks. Which is a load of shit. It is a load of shit. If the referees get the yellow cards out and start booking people for um, for creating the officials and they start sending people off for second yellow cards for dissent, we'll play a couple of weeks, 8v8. No, I, and look, it'll disappear know, overnight. It will disappear. Players will stop that, doing yeah. it if they start getting booked and they uh, start getting sent off. You send them off for the rest of the game for 70 minutes or so, if it is that long, they're not going to keep doing it. And there's a wider point here with referees and officials, and this is something that keeps coming up now in football media, that it perpetrates this entire cauldron of this concoction that every single fan base has some sort of persecution bias when it comes to the referees. If you ask and do a poll of every fan base up and down the Premier League, you won't find a single one that thinks the referees are out for us this week. Just ask Brighton supporters. We'll come on to that a little bit later on. Okay, you've got an agenda here for the show. You're prepared. <laughs> hey, I've got receipts. <laughs> okay. No, but you... the, thing, the point is that mm. this keeps coming up and... Part okay. of it is that the people in the media don't understand the rules of the game. You've got people commentating on matches mm-hmm. where they don't understand the handball rule. They don't understand the offside rule. They don't understand what penalties are anymore. Mm-hmm. Where they give their opinion on whether something should or shouldn't be a penalty based on their philosophy on the game, not what it says in the rule book. Because yeah. what you think should happen and what should happen according to the rules are two different things. 
Yes, but that's a different question altogether, right? I have dropped down the agenda here because I was going to save that for the Brighton Tottenham chat. Well, obviously, it seems like that (laughs) way, right? Because you've gone on. I think that's a different point altogether. I'll come back to your point about. I'll come back to your point about referees though in a minute, right? And, Mm. And how clubs and supporters feel aggrieved. Black and white. You look at this, and Robertson should be fined if not sanctioned, right? And I reckon he should be suspended. Okay, he should be. Now, should the referees and the linesmen be beyond reproach? Yes, okay, they should. Should the penalty be harsher for the for the linesmen in this case? Yes, because of the fact that they are they should be beyond reproach. But um, a fine is not going to actually do anything for them at this like for players at this you know in this league because they're not short of cash, right? The issue here is respect for officials, right? Goodness knows what was said by Robertson to Hadzivaki, mm. right, on the on that line, okay? So the fact is, right, like I said before, there's a way that you can actually work with referees and linesmen, right? Yes, we're talking about the nuances of the game here, but I'm sorry, that's unacceptable. You cannot be right up in the face, in the personal space of an official. It's that simple. Now, I agree with you. Pull the cards out, dissent, make it seven versus seven. I don't care. We need to stamp this out of the game, right? I've bled, we've all been frustrated when we play. It happens, but there is a t- way that you have to check yourself and there's a way to talk to the referee about it, okay? And the way that professionals, so-called professionals, actually carry themselves off is is <laughs> is terrible. It's terrible. Right, and I'm not saying that that they need to be a good example for kids and all that. No, the fact is, rugby union have that culture in their game. They respect the referee. We don't in football, and that needs to change because you're not going to get people refereeing games. Right, they're going to be turned off refereeing games. They're going to say, "What do I need to put up with this shit for?" It happens at park football for goodness sakes. Let alone yep. the elite level, right? So why should people give up their time? Yes, okay, they get paid, but. Without a without a referee, you don't have a game. Because what happens is park football, okay, one of the other players goes and referees, like the player from the home team. Is that fair on that player that he gets to miss out? It's not. But you know what? And is it fair on the game that someone Correct. from one side goes and referees the game? Yeah. But we've created this in a way. Yes, there's are there are going to be times at that level where there's just not enough officials. But what are we doing to actually engender people to become to want to become officials? This, you know, yes, uh, at you know, at the professional level, it's a different story altogether. You will inevitably get people that actually want to referee and linesmen at a higher level. But you can't carry on like the way that Robertson did. I'm sorry, right? And we see it all across Europe. It's something that's endemic in our game. It needs to stop because now, obviously, referees and linesmen have had enough. And I go back to the uh, Mexican referee who needs someone in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And right. there's been stories this season of assaults happening at lower leagues of football around the world. And there's something that's just going to keep mm. um, pe- perpetuating because there isn't respect for the officials. Mm. And my point earlier about persecution complexes, I mm. think that has fed into the mindset for Robertson here. It's okay. gone into the case of your... Trying, you're trying to sabotage the game for us. And yep. that's part of the reason why he got so wound up right. throughout the entire first half. It's not an excuse. 
maybe it's a reason maybe it's an explanation it's not valid whatsoever he shouldn't be kicking out like that he's not kicking out he shouldn't be having that sort of reaction that sort of approach with the officials and yeah we got around in circles a little bit here but there should no. be suspensions and sending offs but i do think the lino should have a bigger suspension than the player in this scenario yeah and i feel sorry for him because really all he did was stick his elbow up just to actually kind of fend the guy away right because that's a natural like it's a reaction he's like hey hang on what are you doing right if you know i mean i know we're on a video podcast but you can see because we're on <laughs> zoom right but the fact is is that it's a somewhat of a natural reaction when i saw it i'm like are you like when i saw it back i had a closer look at it and i've gone yes okay he's in the wrong the linesman is in the wrong but come on like get a grip of yourself and then henderson is complaining about it anyway i've got to be in my bonnet about liverpool this week because uh the fun, one of the funniest things I saw was Klopp, and we'll get back to that in a minute. But um, with regards to this persecution bias that you're talking about, it is prevalent in other leagues, and I'll tell you why, right? And I'll mention two countries, Italy and Greece, right? And I'll actually mention a third because it's yet to be proven, but we, we it's close, <laughs> Spain, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I said Spain, you obviously knew straight away I was talking about Barcelona. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so, you know, I mean... I, you know, before this story came out, I wasn't aware of, I wasn't aware of a persecution bias as such, but geez, Barcelona having a persecution bias, come on, you know, like, okay, historically in the 30s and 40s and under Franco, dictatorship understood, but come on, not since the 1990s, give us a break. Anyway, um, but I'll go to Juventus and I'll go to Olympiacos. Juventus in Italy, Olympiacos in Greece. Juventus, it's been proven in the past. They're not clean skins, right? And I can tell you that I'm not doing myself any favors here, but <laughs> Olympia, of course, in Greece, I can tell you that there has been a long suspicion, right, that they've had the favorable view of the, the referees for a long time. Um, now, whether or not that's justified, I doubt it. Not to the extent that people suspect colloquially, right? Mind you, they have been champions like for more than half of the years in existence of the Greek First Division, right? So, you know, who's to say? But yeah, there's it's colloquially referred to as, you know, hey, the take is on and all that kind of stuff. So I look, I don't suspect it is at that level, may have happened in the past. I don't, you know, suspect it's prevalent um now. But see, the funny thing is though, it's impacted on Greek refereeing because you've actually had ex-Premier League referees go and be the head of refereeing in Greece with regards to the Super League. And then actually they've gone to, you know, like the Greek um, Cup semifinals are being refereed by English referees. So, yeah, it's definitely had this uh, impact on um, on the culture of football in those countries. Absolutely. And this is something you see up and down at all levels of the game across the world that, oh, the big teams get more decisions go their way. It happens in every sport. No one likes the referees apart from rugby union players and supporters. No one likes officials, which is a shame because, as you say, Laz, without them, there is no game. Mm. And I don't really see a scenario where we get to that point where it is rugby union. No. I don't ever see a day where it happens in football with that no. level of respect. No, of respect. Yeah. It's got to come from the leadership of the people running clubs and managing teams, all right? It really has to come down to that. It has to be, hey, we are setting as a standard. You guys don't talk to the referee. The only people that talk to the referee is possibly the manager or the coach and the captain, and that is it, right? And then 
you know, and then clubs actually taking the, uh, you know, the onus themselves and actually, you know, administering that process themselves. It's got to come from within. It can't, you're right, culturally, yes, they're two different games and two different socioeconomic backgrounds, but I believe that's BS in that aspect, right? Treat people the way that you want to be treated. That even goes on the park, for goodness sakes. All right, so anyway, but what do I know? Uh, we should move on, Laz, because we mm. have so much to cover. We spent 20 minutes talking about referees. Yeah. Um, oh, can I just cover, Just can we just finish off this Liverpool chat? Yeah, go on. All right. Did you see Klopp's reaction to <laughs> Salah's penalty? <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I thought, <laughs> mate, I thought, you know what, that changed my view of Klopp, actually. <laughs> what was it before and what is it now? <laughs> I actually didn't mind him. I didn't, I know that you're dirty on him, right? I mean, as a United supporter, it's very hard to hate Klopp. Yeah, I mean, he look, makes it very different. To, right? He's <laughs> he's he's charming. He's got you know, and look, there's no doubt he's got a mean streak to him, right? And we've seen that before. I like his stance on some uh, social things. That's fine, right? And some impact and some aspects of the game. He talks a lot of sense, right, with regards to player welfare. Concede all that. Um, two things that I don't like about Klopp is one, the bullshit stance trying to watch the warm up. Uh, from the halfway line on the opposition. I know he always does that, right? And there's no reason why you can't, you know, just, you know, no need to draw attention to yourself. I'm sure you can watch the warm-up some, some other way, <laughs> right? So that's nitpicking, right? I grant you. But um, to that incident with expecting, the expectation of Salah scoring that penalty and then, like, hearing the roar of the crowd, doing the fist bump and, like, having your back <laughs> towards the actual action, Hearing the reaction to the crowd, doing the fist bump, and then going, "Oh, what the fuck!" Hmm? Um, <laughs> like, uh, but the fact, you know, seriously, yeah. like it's, um, yeah. Uh, I just thought, nah, you know what? You've got a bit of a tool aspect to you. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, maybe it's, a, the way maybe it's a German in him. I don't know. Maybe and the way Branson Braves on the sideline uh, is at times over the top, but uh... but they all do it. I mean, we saw a bit of yeah. it. Yeah, we saw a bit of it. About Brighton, and you're gonna. I oh know. Sorry, I didn't mean to see Thunder. Brighton and Spurs, and this should not be. Like I said, this shouldn't be an EPL review chat. But there's there was a lot that happened, and it, not so much in the other leagues uh, in in the week gone by. But yeah, yeah, a lot a lot happened overnight as well. But which we'll get to shortly. That it did, and uh, yes, I think we'll talk a little bit about the Brighton Spurs game just quickly. Five minutes mm. max, because yes, please. We have so much to cover up. I've actually got a whole load of off-field things this week awesome. as well. So, all right, let's go. This is going to be uh, this is the Nathan uh, Gould. This is the Nathan Gould special. Let's go. <laughs> um, yes, Matoma should have had a penalty given against him from Agreed. the challenge from Hoiberg. Agreed. PGMOL have apologised to Brighton once again, and that's not good enough. I'm sorry. I think it is six times this calendar year. Yes, they've got an apology from the referees, and. Going back to the persecution bias against Brighton, a lot of people are saying that, oh, this is to protect the big six teams and make sure they finish in the European places. I can understand where that's coming from. I don't agree with it, but I can understand their frustration and making that link because six times in, what, three and a half months is a joke. It's not good enough. It isn't good enough. And look, I'm glad that PGML, PGMOL have um, come out and apologised, but uh, too little too late. It just it adds up to diddly squat. Because six apologies, Laz. We can assume that maybe those are either match-winning goals or just draws. to get a point. Let's call them draws. Yeah. Let's call them six points. Six points mm. puts them above Manchester United. 
It does with the game in and hand as well. With a game in hand, right? So they've been a box seat to qualify for the Champions League. Correct. So you know, so, so that's you know. tens of millions of pounds potentially coming into the club. Mm. That look, if they get the decisions, there's no guarantee they're going to go and continue in that vein for the rest of the match. They may end up losing the games anyway. But those six points in isolation, that's going to cost Brighton tens of millions of pounds. Yeah, Nathan, it puts them ahead of Spurs. More importantly, mm. who had a direct impact on that result last yeah. week. So. You know, I feel for Brighton. I feel for De Zerbe, um, copying a red card for not being able to control his bench, considering <laughs> that Stellini uh, wanted to have some choice words in the Italian media in the lead-up to that game, right? Um, mate, who, I'm going to swear again. With what right? Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> You've been here for five minutes. I know. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, okay, I'm sure he's credentialed. I'm sure he's done that, but... Seriously, pull your head in, Stellini. You have some mm. respect for your opponent. So Stellini said before the game that the Zerbi's basically just continuing the job of Graham Potter. And it's Graham Potter's been team. done for it. Yeah, Graham Potter's team. The, the, the Zerbi hasn't done anything for it, essentially. Mm. It's a little bit um, stronger in Italian, but yeah. And obviously, Which is bullshit. it is bullshit. He's in fact improved them. Yeah. Craziness. Absolutely. Craziness. It is, right. and I mean, um, it kicked off, and it kicked off. And look, I'm surprised that the match officials weren't actually aware of this because it kicked off from the start, from the handshake, mm. right? And Deserby had every right to actually say, "Well, maybe not every right, but maybe he should have waited to the end of the game, right?" And said, you know, and said his bit. But yeah, uh, I feel for Brighton in this case because I think they've been hard done by. And yes, okay, I take your point about the about the bias issue, but it's obviously the standard referee and Howard Webb's got a lot of work to do with regards to the Premier League because most of the eyes of the world are watching the Premier League with regard to football weekend in and weekend out. Whilst in Spain, right, have you seen the number of red cards and yellow cards being dished out in La Liga? And mind you, Sergio Ramos is no longer there. (laughs) So, Look, I think that's partly La Hoz. And it's also partly that the Premier League doesn't dish out enough cards. They don't, uh, and they need to. They do. They but, do. Oh, we don't want to ruin the games. We don't want no, to ruin the spectacle by making 10 against 11. No, Rubbish. come on. Rubbish. Someone staying on when they shouldn't be ruins the spectacle just as much. 100%. And, um, actually, and it actually has an outcome, a direct outcome on the game. It does. So to summarise referees, they shouldn't lash out at players. Players shouldn't be in the face of them. Matoma should have been get awarded a penalty. But the handball, the 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 goal that was disallowed for handball was correctly disallowed, and yeah, that's yeah. something that has caused everyone to kick off, saying that's bullshit. That should have been a goal, mm. which is rubbish. Mm. Read the rule book. If the ball strikes the arm or the hand of a player who then goes on and scores a goal, it's going to get rubbed down. Yeah, and that goes back to my previous point about commentary teams and punter punters and pundits that they often say. Oh, you can't give that as a penalty. That's rubbish. Oh, he, there's no intent there. It's going to hit his thigh if his hand wasn't there. That's all not a part of the rule book anymore. And saying those sorts of things, that's a conversation for IFAB, not the on-pitch officials. And that feeds into it that, yes, the referees have had a poor showing this season, hence the amount of apologies we're seeing dished out from PGMOL. Mm. But there's more decisions they get right than we give them credit for because there's this perpetuating narrative around that some decisions they get wrong, but they're actually correct as per the rule book. So that's my last point about referees, is that that they haven't been great this season, but they haven't been quite as bad as everyone's making them out to be. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. But listen to this. La Liga, current season, 108 red cards, 1,347 yellow cards. <laughs> so that's a stat from the holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's just insane, right? Absolutely mm. insane. You know, it, it's it's ridiculous. Whilst in the Premier League, only 29 red cards have been shown. So, you know, and, and probably I would say commensurately the same amount of yellows. Like, um, you know, so if it's, oh, you know, just under 10% of that. So let's, like, so 29, so let's call it 350 yellow cards. I haven't found it yet, but yeah. there. I mean, it's just insane. It really is. Really is, right? It is. Yep, go on. Sorry. No, 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 don't apologize. I, I, I think that obviously the balance is somewhere in between, but the referees in England are, appear to be scared to use their cards and they have so many opportunities to do so. Yep, absolutely. We shall move on. Yes, we shall. We shall move on. Uh, a couple of quick ones. Yep, let's go. One from the uh, second division in Holland. Ooh, okay. You may have seen like this. At, uh, about a month ago. Yeah. Um, Zwolle beat Den Bosch by 13 mm. goals to nil. No, that did evade me. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, tell me. The that story. happened about a month ago. T- tell us this story. It is a record in um, in Holland for professional teams to lose 13 goals to nil. And yeah. this week, the mm-hmm. uh, the side on the losing end, Den Bosch, mm-hmm. have sent out a special keychain to everyone who was in attendance. Right. And it reads in Dutch, "We were shit." But I was there. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, okay. I have the, I have the funny feeling that the demand for that key ring will probably exceed the number of people that were there. <laughs> the, yes. the Dutch have a very unique sense of humor. They do. They do. And uh, just a sense that, oh, we're going places, but uh, you were all there when we were shit. No, that's right. <laughs> That's right. That's brilliant. Like uh, that. That's yep. great. That's great. What else do you have? Uh, I saw one report surrounding Chelsea and Frank uh, Lampard that uh, Todd again. Bowley was again. asking uh, his mate James Corden on oh, advice. No, don't. No, come on. No, no. Please leave me out of that guy. Honestly. <laughs> mate, That's the him... story. Oh. But Todd Bowley consulted James Corden for what he should do for the Chelsea boss. And James Corden, known West Ham fan. Yes. 100%. Recommended him to put Lampard back in. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> where was Lampard a, a youth player at? Mm, more importantly, how no, but where was the last he... time he was on the sideline? Sure, but where was he a youth player at? West Ham. Exactly. Mm. Enough said. Yep. Enough said about that connection, I think. And mm. you mentioned James Corden. Uh, leave me out of it. <laughs> let, him get, let him go and blow bubbles all he likes. Uh, yep, absolutely. Mm. And uh, Let's talk about Wrexham versus Knotts. Briefly. Yes, let's do that. That was insane. This, this insane. was the best game of football I've seen this year. What a better than Liverpool Arsenal. Yeah, it was better than it Liverpool was, Arsenal. It was. It was. It was. It was better than Newcastle Man City at the start of the season. Yes, it, it's the best game I've watched this for this football season. I, I agree. I, I agree. That was up there. That that was up there. That was just an amazing, amazing, absolutely the amazing. Fifth minute of stoppage time, penalty save from Ben Foster to keep a three-two. Just the drama was insane, insane. And yeah. the football on display was pretty good as well. Um, it's one of the first times well, I've really checked out non-league, e- yeah, the evenly, National League. And, yeah, yeah, evenly and, matched. Yeah, go on, sorry. No, sorry, no, no, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Evenly matched. 
there wasn't a lot in it. Both teams were going hammer and tongs. It was brilliant. And watching non-league, it's a bit of a reminder of football of years gone by. Shit defending, shit refereeing, no VAR, <laughs> just a lot of fun. How, how good, how good is it to watch a game with no VAR? Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Honestly. Oh, when when that equaliser went in to make a 1-1 mm. and there was a... What a, what a free kick, bow. by the way. Yeah. Oh, what, brilliant free What kick. a free kick from oh, County. Yeah. Brilliant, right? Mm. Mm. But that equaliser to make a 1-1, there was a bit of a foul on the defender. Mm. I don't think mm. it really was a foul. He's no. made the most of it, but... You just know if that happened in the Premier League, we'd be spending five minutes looking at the monitor <sighs> determining whether it's a foul or not. But in that game, you just know it's a goal. The referee's given it, and it's pandemonium at the yeah. race course. But, right. uh, yeah, Ryan Reynolds has bought a house in the area. And yeah. Looks like he's in it for the long haul, and good for him, good for Wrexham. And, yeah, so they go top of the National League, and they're on the verge of getting promoted to the Football League and getting out of that division for, what is it, 16 years now they've been stuck there. Mm. So yeah, it'll be good to see Wrexham, who are a historic club with history in the FA Cup, uh, back in uh, back in the league in the AFL. So let's uh, see how that happens. I think we might call this one up really late. We'll see how we go. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it might be a long one because we have so many more things to cover what, off. What else do you have? I've got uh, this story surrounding um, Jean-Kevin Augustin. Ah, uh, you stole my thunder, damn it. <laughs> Was that the big uh, one you got we, on your list? Yeah, topic? can we leave that to last? Yeah, we'll leave that. Do you mind we'll leave that. that. Yeah, no worries. Um, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. I well, want to talk. Let's a little tease bit that about... out a little. Let's tease yes. that out a little. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Keep people interested in <laughs> hanging on. If to you the like end. courtroom drama, stick around. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And and uh, a case of absolute incompetence in sports administration. Oh yeah. yeah. So let's um, go. Marcelo Bielsa has gone to Uruguay. That's a report. Ooh, mm. I haven't seen that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's team. not official yet, but um, it's apparently the talk is that it's all done and dusted and on the verge of being announced. So, uh... so the national team, yeah, national team. Ooh, geez, I like that. I like that for Uruguay. Oh, Looking oh. good for Uruguay. I like that. I think Valverde would work wonderful in a Bielsa yeah. system. Yeah, um, uh, Valverde playing in under Bielsa. Mm. Did you see what happened with Valverde? I did. And you like that little segue that I've like yes, so, yes. sewn in there. <laughs> well done. Well done. Because you knew I, I, we haven't talked about it, but it, I thought that uh, you might want to bring this up. But there you go. Mm, so okay. what did you make of that? For those that don't know, should we – let's just illuminate people that – Yeah, go on. Fill the back bags in. So, okay. So Valverde is playing for Real Madrid – uh, last last weekend uh, against uh, Villarreal, and what's the score in that game? Well, Real Madrid did lose three <laughs> two. Yeah, Real Madrid did lose three two, but Valverde was subjected to a pretty shit sledge, I would say. Being a parent, I don't know what you thought about it, Nathan. I mean, you're not going to get a, a contrary opinion here. Okay, it, it, it was shit, wasn't it? You, you, just oh, yeah. you just don't go there, do you? So what was it, Laz? So Explain the sledge. Well, apparently Valverde and his uh, wife um, have had uh, issues with or had issues with trying to conceive a child. And um, this scum, right, I think it's fair to call him a uh, piece of scum. Well, you know, I've got no other reason not to call him that. 
decided to, uh, what's his nickname? Because he goes by his nickname. See, doesn't even go with his proper name. <laughs> a ba- a, the Baina, Alex Baina. Yeah. That's him. Alex Baina um, decided to um, give his opinion about um, uh, Valverde's uh, and his partner's ability to uh, go forth and multiply, if I can put it that way. Mm. And what it yep. and uh, said some pretty nasty words, which I'm not going to say into it, but I think that's just uh, Valverde actually said, "I'll meet you outside after the game." And guess what? He did. They met in the tunnel. They met in the tunnel <laughs> after the game, and he put one on him. And I'm glad he did because that piece of scum deserves it. I'll normally refrain from judging and things like that, but considering that it's been admitted that what he said, he said what he said on the pitch. Um, yeah, that's just not on you. Just don't go there. And I don't blame Valverde. Do I? I shouldn't endorse it. We shouldn't endorse violence, obviously, of any kind. But man, how can you not feel for Valverde? And you know, goodness knows what troubles they've gone through to try and can you know try and conceive a child. You just don't go there. Yeah, absolutely. And we're all for sledging in general. And as a part of shithousery, you should try and get under the skin of your opponent. But there is a line, and there that's are, certain, yeah. that's not even that's not anywhere close to the line. That's, no. Far off in the distance, mate. This goes to show what kind of piece of work this guy is. What mm. kind of, and he's look, and he's renowned for it. Apparently, if you're having a look into um, the backstory, he's renowned for this kind of. I wouldn't even call that shit out. I just call that just downright stupidity. Really, I want to use another word, but I think I've sworn enough. No, nah, go on, use it. No, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm all right. I'm containing myself now. That's it. it I mean, there's just... no super explicit take I can put no, on this. No, exactly right. No, but look, it's no, I mean, that is not shithousery. It's, shithousery is intelligent, right? It's pointed with a purpose, right? But I think from a, his perspective, not, they're, they're, that's that purpose, purpose would have been there. No. Well, he said that to try and roll him up. He said that to try and get a reaction. You don't him, go maybe... there, man. Oh, you I'm... don't go there. I don't, no, no, no. I'm not defending him whatsoever, but. I think in his mind, he's trying to do that. And well, then his mind yeah. needs to be checked. Yeah, yeah. And somebody in that club of Villarreal needs to actually pull it aside and have a, have a chat to him mm. because there's shithousery and that's just that's just wrong on all levels. So yeah, it really yeah. is. Mm. Um, but we, we shall move on. Yes, we shall move indeed. On. And um, take another sip of coffee here. Yep. There we go. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the reports that came out this week that Liverpool have knocked back the chance to sign Jude Bellingham because he's deemed to be too expensive and they don't want to fork out £130 million on a midfielder plus his wage. And Who would have seen that coming? Oh, jeez, here we go. <laughs> Fuck, I knew this was coming. All right, <laughs> go on, gloat for a minute. I mean, it was obvious from minute one that they don't have the money to spend on one player, one midfielder of that amount of money. It's Of course they were never going to get him. And... I saw it every single time Liverpool lost the game. Oh, everything's all right. When Jude comes in the summer, we'll be fine. We'll win the title next season. No problems whatsoever. We'll be right. Klopp will turn him from superstar to super-duper star, and we're going to go and win everything. Come on. Okay. Are you, are you, on. Have you had your fun? It's fun now. It won't be fun when they spend 130 million on four players and actually turn into a good team. <laughs> okay. So there you go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have my fun now. All right. Well, get it I won't in. be having it in 18 months' time. Get your fun in now. <laughs> get it out of your system. And that's it. Okay. Quick one. Where does he go? Where does Jude Bellingham go? Real Madrid. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yes. Welcome to Real. Welcome to Madrid. There you go. And we thought, Madrid's, Madrid. we thought Madrid's midfield was already stacked. Yeah, it needs, re- needs refreshing, though. It does need refreshing. 
Hey, I thought it was going to be true. I mean, Camavinga and Valverde for the next 10 years. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, it won't be Upa Makano. But anyway, let's not get into that. Right now. We'll Oof. talk about that. Actually, <laughs> or do you want to talk about that now? A little bit of balance. A little All bit right. of balance. Okay. Because it links to the Liverpool story. And okay, go on. Probably should have gone in a bit early, but uh, Canate, Ibrahim Canate, mm-hmm. compared to Dale Upamecano. Mm-hmm. They're both at Leipzig. Mm-hmm. And when they're playing there, they're both always linked to big clubs because mm-hmm. Leipzig are not quite on that level. Yeah. And Le- Leipzig, always, yeah. I'll, always I'll put, I thought um, Canate was a better player. Mm. And hey, we saw an example of that this week. Mm. So I would contend that Leipzig are a transit club and Liverpool are a destination club. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bayern Munich are a destination club. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think Bayern Munich got the wrong end of the deal there with regards to, from Leipzig, with regards to Upamecano. Look, let's be honest. He only had one bad game this morning. Right? Oh, of course. He's one bad game. He, you know, he played it's well. Barely, it's, it's barely even one bad game. It's like a couple of mistakes. Yeah. Well, I say outside of those mistakes, he wasn't that bad. Yeah, he wasn't that no. bad. Mm. No. But what would you, you know, anyway, let's not get into I mean, yeah, right. it's a four, but. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I wasn't going to, I asked the question, I shouldn't have, but there you go. Um, but yeah, the Champions League is really poised well, I think. I think we're going to get the semi finals that we want. Obviously, we've gone early with regards to two of them. We haven't seen the other two uh, quarterfinals get played yet in the first leg. But you are eight hours' time when Chelsea have won 3 0. Oh God, no, don't say that. <laughs> but Man City, um, you know, obviously took taking care of Bayern and obviously um lining themselves up for a semi-final and into Milan, you know, more than likely going to give us an Italian, all Italian semi-final. So it look, I'd like to see Napoli come through that other side, but part of me wants to see a, a Milan derby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like Inter are through. Yeah. I thought Ben Fig will put up more of a fight. They probably didn't deserve to lose 2-0, but they have. No, I agree. I think that's enough for Inter to go through. And, yeah, from here on out, on that side of the draw, we can't lose. Because whether it's a Milan derby, whether Napoli go yeah. through, they're both good outcomes. Yeah. Uh, from from a neutral perspective, anyway. Yeah. Um, busy morning. Uh, the, it was oh, a busy yeah. morning, though. Watching yeah. the Matildas against the England, defeating the European Let's talk champions. about the Matildas. Let's go. What did you make because of it? We, could, we can chat a little bit about the Matildas. This won't be a quick one. Who would have thought um, that 4 4 fucking 2 would knock over <laughs> England? <laughs> oh, the irony. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mm. <laughs> 30 games unbeaten. Here comes a 4 4 fucking 2. Mm. <laughs> a yeah. bump in the road. And, hey, and the Matildas absolutely deserved it. Yeah, I, look, I think they were very good. I, th- I thought they were very good this morning. Um, and a couple of bad moments for Lee Williamson. Yes. But yeah, happened, I think outside, right? even outside the goals, the Matildas mm. were the better team. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, look, probably the last 20, England was starting to try and, you know, starting to find their feet and getting really aggressive and getting on the front foot and and not allowing us to actually, not allowing the Matildas to play out, breaking up their rhythm. Um, but, yeah, um, look, that's the last international window before the Women's World Cup. The next one is the camp. There's friendlies in that, obviously in camps, and then we go into the to the big one, and I oh, just don't know what to make of this Australian side yet. I still have my reservations. Um, yeah, go on. I well, we got a question. Pining. Yeah, Great. we got a question. Awesome. Uh, Lauren Jackson writes to the back peg and says, um, 
she wants to know two separate questions here. Mm. Who is the most underrated player in the Matilda setup, and who's the one to watch for the World Cup? They might be the same player. You might be able to say the same player for both questions, but what do you reckon? Look, you know my thoughts about the Matildas. I actually like Alex Chidiak, and I actually mm-hmm. think she should be starting at the end. Statistically, she should be starting. Um, so I'll have Alex as my player to watch. She's just a, She just reminds me of a, a number 10, a true number 10, which I love. Right, but um, ooh, and not underrated player. I wouldn't say underrated, but the one that's probably got the most scope for improvement and who's actually done a lot. Actually, I'll go with two. I'll go with uh, Courtney Vine. I've been very impressed with Courtney Vine, and I'll go with the goal scorer this morning, Grant. She like she's really impressed me. Yeah, and she got the official man of the match. Did she? Okay, well done from this yeah. morning. Yep. Yeah, great. And a lot of that is the goal, of course, but a good game, yep. if, even if you take the goal away. Uh, for mine, I'd say Claire Hunt. Yeah, that's a good shout. Coming in at centre-half. And the Matildas have struggled a little bit with centre-halves in, think... in recent windows through injuries and Alana Kennedy not really playing too much. But think about it this way, Nathan. This side, this Matilda side that went out on the park against uh, England this morning is not what we would consider the strongest side still by any stretch. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm just I don't know if it's more apprehension and nerves now kicking in that hey it's so close it's 99 days, um, but there's no more international friendly windows between now and the World Cup, so this is it. And look, for this calendar year, I liked what I liked what I've seen so far, except the game against Scotland. I didn't like that, and that's I think- because uh, Tony G tried to change go back to four three three, and no, sorry. It doesn't Tony work. G, mixtape coming soon. Yeah, Tony G, that's right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so uh, I think Blair Hunt's my underrated player. I think she can nail that spot down, really. I think so. I think Kennedy's actually on the outer. It's, it's there for the taking. Yeah, 100%. Um, player to watch for the World Cup. It may sound like a little bit of a cop-out, but I've got a reason for it, and it is yep, due to the injury, and now that she's yep. come back into the side, yep. you realise just how much the Matildas have missed Ellie mm. Carpenter. Yeah, look, Ellie's a great player. She's she's phenomenal. Up and there with the best of the, in the world in her position. Yeah, I, I just want her to actually go full raw. And what I mean by that is when she does the overlap, don't just stop. Get behind. Get in behind. You're quick enough. You're skillful enough. Just get that delivery across and that's it. Right, That's the only thing that I can – and that's really nitpicky, right? But she's just brilliant. But same, by the same token, Steph Catley on the left. Yeah, I mean, she since she's gone to Arsenal, she's improved out of sight as well. She was already good, but she's just yeah. So she's just a great player to watch. Look, I think judging off the last window, this past window, Scotland and England, would you call it a success? Yes, I would call it a success. Based Anytime on... you beat the European champions, it's mm-hmm. a success. Doesn't okay. matter. Doesn't matter really what happens in the other game. Overall, it can only be marked in a positive. I think. One question remains surrounding what happens with this team when Sam Kerr doesn't play. Yeah. I think it does fall apart a little bit. Mm, that's what I'm concerned about. Because you could see against England, there was so much more confidence in the team mm. that Sam was up front. And when she's not there, it's not but, quite the same. We... I don't get the same vibe from the rest of the players. Okay. Look, Caitlin Ford was injured. Hopefully she's back in time for the World Cup. I'm not sure. I think she exactly should be. The status. Yeah, I think she's 
she should be too, but, uh, you know, it's it cutting it a bit fine, right? But Mary Fowler, I think we're selling her short. I think she's a great player. Mm. And she can play that role that um, I think Sam Kerr plays. Okay, she's not Sam Kerr, but, right, we, you know, I would actually go in and say, let's say Sam Kerr is touchwood, I hope, you know, like nothing happens to Caitlin Ford or, or Sam Kerr, right? But let's say that they pick up an injury during the group stage or early on or whatever the case is. I would actually just let um, – I would be confident in uh, Mary Fowler seeing, you know, um, leading the line in those uh, other two games. I mean, yeah, look, Canada's the tricky one for us in in, this, in the group of the Australia. But we just need to – and and unfortunately that comes last. I wish that was first. Would have well, been on the market. other hand, would have been a good Australian, On the other hand, Australia and Canada may win their first two matches, and yeah, and it could be a they're already run. already yeah. through. Yeah, and Canada lost overnight to France to a newly rejuvenated France. France, which is very interesting with her Renard. So Canada has gone down. Germany went down. Sweden went down to Denmark. Uh, it's um, Japan went down. So yeah, a lot of um, Brazil. Brazil uh, beat Germany. So Brazil, you know, maybe uh, having a uh, renaissance, a revival. Mm. But, uh, all uh, those results are out of context, though. You don't know if there's anything they're really trying or... Well, did you watch Brazil-England or England-Brazil? No, I, I didn't really catch it. Mm. Okay. I didn't catch it. Yeah. I, I would suggest watch it and then tell me what you think about England. I think I think that uh, England is still trying to find some answers for the loss of personnel that they had after the Euro. So... Look, I wouldn't be too concerned about if I was an England supporter. I think England will be in, in good stead. I would be concerned if Australia needs to play them in a like a, in a you know round of sixteen. Mm. And one final word on it, it was uh, interesting. I, I checked out the uh, the BBC highlights on YouTube for the Matilda mm-hmm. England match, mm-hmm. and Emma Hayes was on commentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, awkward or tricky spot for her watching Chelsea. Her Chelsea players put the ball in the back of the England net. Mm-hmm. What did she say? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit because you could tell she was in two minds with it. Like disappointed that England conceded, but then it was Sam Kerr who scored. So that's a, a very much a happy for Sam. Yeah. Disappointed for England, and yeah. you could tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think she should actually be managing the men's team at Chelsea. You and I Probably. discussed this before, and I think there's merit in that. Why not Just, give her a go? I, I, Give it why to the end of the season. It, yeah, why not give her a go? What have you got I to mean, lose? Yeah. Particularly now that, I mean, Chelsea went and lost the Wolves last weekend. Yeah. Which, by the way, just very quickly, that turned out to be the goal rush game last Saturday night. Joke of a decision. That's ridiculous. Joke of a decision. Yeah. It was anyway. maybe with the exception of Fulham West Ham. It was the worst game on yeah. offer. Yeah. Um. But um, anyway. That's something anyway. the Premier League broadcasters to worry about. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's not that's out of Optus's control. It is, it is. It's Premier League broadcasting in uh, mm. in London, but um, yeah, IMG or whoever is doing it for them. But no, it's ridiculous. They need to uh, have a look, long hard look at themselves. Those guys, they never. And you get just the, know it was they, only the goal rush game it, because of Frank Lampard. It pisses you off because they don't get the goal rush game right. Mm. They get it wrong more often than not. It's so obvious which one should be the game. A hundred percent. How on yeah. earth? I turned on the TV when I got home last Saturday night. Mm, mm. Put, I put the goal rush on. I was like, I pretty much get home bang on midnight yep. at kickoff. Yep. Expecting to see Tottenham Brighton <laughs> because we all thought 
That would be that it. needs to be the goal rush game. And how good would it have been if it was the goal rush game? Because we had so much fifth, drama fifth, in that fifth versus sixth. I mean, what are you talking about? There's mm. no, there's no discussion in my mind anyway. But maybe maybe my mind's too simple. But Speaking anyway. of simple minds, let's talk about. Uh... <laughs> Great segue. See, Mate, I could, I'm glad I could help with the assist there. But um, you yes. set him up, I'll knock him down. Yeah, I'll, I'll put him in. <laughs> yep. Put him yep. in. So, um, Leeds. But, uh, hang on. No, just quickly. Did you happen okay. to get Women's World Cup tickets? No. Ah, oh, okay. Well, no, I did have. you? Yes, I oh, have. Oh, well done. Fortunately, well done. yes. So, no, I was very happy about that. Very I heard happy. there was plenty of reports of uh, issues I was with very the website lucky. again. I was very lucky, yes. A lot of demand, but yeah, very lucky. It just happened to be the right place at the right time. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, two games. So looking forward to it. Oh, fantastic. Which ones did you get? Uh, England, Denmark. Mm-hmm. And the first round of 16 game. Oh, beauty. Mm. And with any luck, that might be the Matildas. No. I don't think it is, actually. I think it's the United no, States. I think it is. No, I think it's United States against either, well, potentially Italy or Argentina or whoever finishes second. So I'm stoked I, about that. I could have sworn that uh, if it goes the right way, the Matildas will play in Sydney in the first knockout round. Uh, it could, but I know um, the game that I've got is the United States if they finish first in their group. One e oh, okay. that will be a different game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. No, one E versus um, two F or G or whoever it is. Okay, that should be a lot of fun. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it will be. And, uh, Leeds. Yeah. You want to talk about Leeds? Jean Kevin Augustin. Okay, let's talk. All and right, Leeds. Let's and talk Leipzig. This isn't but the EPL. second mention of the back peg. Yeah, that's right. This isn't EPL <laughs> chat though. It's just, no, this is so. yeah. This is administrators chat. Yeah. And quick synopsis. Go for it. That's too formal a word to use in this podcast, but let's go. <laughs> Here's the 411. That's right. <laughs> Damn Americanism. Jean <laughs> Kevin Augustin, who at the time was a Leipzig player, went on loan to Leeds during the COVID season, the one that got delayed due to the pandemic. Everything shut down for a couple of months. The loan to Leeds came with an obligation that if Leeds got promoted out of the championship, they would have to buy the player. On a permanent deal. Correct. Leeds got Leeds got promoted mm-hmm. during that COVID season. But because the promotion happened, the end of the season happened, after the 30th of June, they thought, ah, we don't need to worry about it. It's the new season. We don't particularly want the player. He only played a couple of games for us. We don't have to buy him. No, no obligation. But Nathan, it wasn't mm-hmm. even two games. It was 48 yeah. minutes of one game. <laughs> He came on as a substitute for 48 minutes in one game. So clearly they didn't do enough scouting of him anyway because clearly a player they didn't really need. Um, but John Kevin went back to Leipzig and it all kicked off. And by you would assume, by logic, that Leeds would have to buy him because they got promoted in that season. But it didn't happen. Leeds and Leipzig have previously agreed a settlement for £15 million. But now... Jean-Philippe Augustin, the player, is suing and has sued Leeds in the Premier League. And he's been yeah. awarded £25 million. Pounds. £24 million. Pounds. So it works out to mm. £500,000 a minute that he played. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I think the basis for that number is that it works out to be a £90,000 a week contract for five years. Correct. Where that, that number's come from. 
Isn't that ridiculous? It is. Leeds are no. appealing that decision. No, but that's ridiculous. Like it, it is in effect five hundred thousand pounds a minute played. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have that kind of coin, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. Oh, wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be uh, something? Good luck to him. Oh, good luck to him. God. And and you know what? He was within his rights. Good luck to him. And if someone at Leeds was, you know, a bit loose in their uh, due diligence with regards to that, well, they've just blown twenty four million pounds on a player that they're no longer using the services of players now at Basel and he's getting an extra $90,000 a week, do you mind, for the next five years? Hey, everyone talks about passive income, Les. That is passive. That's the best passive income you can get. <laughs> all we just, all we need to do now is get signed by a championship club that gets promoted. <laughs> so Burnley, I'm looking at you. But yes, let's talk about it from the Leeds perspective a little bit more. Both of us uh, have done sports administration courses. What would you do? uh, This this is a gaffe that's really, it it boggles the mind. It's mind-boggling because how how is this allowed to happen, really? You would know, I would assume, right? Like you said, we've done sports administration. You would know who, and I hate referring to it in these terms, but because it seems impersonal, right? Uh, let's just say playing roster, right? But it's your inventory. You would know when your inventory is due for renewal, right? <laughs> and that's and that's the and that's really what it comes down to. So, what options do you have with regard to inventory? I can actually offload it, or I can sell it, or I can renew it, or I can keep it. You know, like um, and offer it more money. Like, what is the deal? Seriously, it's. I just sounded like Jerry Seinfeld about it. I didn't want to. It's, it's just incredible. It's absolutely yeah. mind-boggling that at that level, you're about to get into the richest football league in the world, right? And you're doing that? Like, why wouldn't you put that duck in a row? And look, yeah, I said, okay, well, it's all right. Look, it's post-30 June. The season wasn't finished yet. You know what? Mate, you deserve what you get. There's a date on there. It doesn't have any clauses with regard to COVID, right, or any delays. The player is entitled to, you know, to be signed. He has an expectation that he will be signed because he's fully aware of his obligations and rights. Yes, the clubs have agreed, but the player's like, hang on a second. Why should I miss out here? Just because you two agreed. So all the player to, you know, all the power to the player and someone at Leeds is obviously going to get a a real big ass kicking because that's just... um, Amateur hour. Is an amateur hour like they're, they're trying to be nefarious with it? They're trying to say they're trying to skirt the rules and well, not pay okay. No, it's amateurish in, in your attitude because mm. I, I would contend that you knew full well that 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 what the sunset was on that contract. You knew what what that was, and if you didn't, well, then it is amateurish. But if it's even more amateurish to say, "Hey, don't worry about it. It's okay. The season wasn't finished. We can, you know, we can get away with this. It's all good. I'll just talk to my friend." No, no, that's what it sounds like. Mm. It sounds like the <laughs> the Mediterranean aspect, the Italian ownership of the club, deciding, <laughs> "Ah, it's okay. Don't worry, <laughs> Pagulo, It's okay." Yeah, yeah, and. So Leeds yeah, now are uh, forty million pounds out of pocket, and... yeah, which is ridiculous. Actually, yeah, because you think of the transfer fee, that's ridiculous, yep. right? Yep. So then, <laughs> I mean, the play ends up costing them 
just shy of a million dollars a minute played. Oh, a million pounds a minute. And that's, oh, geez, that's insane. That is absolutely yep. insane. And that's um, going to have a big bearing on them for next season too. Especially if they got to fork out another 25. Especially when they'll be in the championship. <laughs> if they play off they did against Palace, they certainly will be going down. But, uh, yeah. yeah. That's absolutely nuts. It's absolutely mm. nuts. I just don't. I just don't understand it. Neither do I. Neither <laughs> do I. But we shall move on, Lars. Was yes. there anything else that caught your eye this week? Yes, there was. <laughs> and you're going to say, "What do you got against Spurs?" No, <laughs> oh, we got to get Spurs in this week. The, surely, no, <laughs> it's not. It's nothing against Spurs. There are two things with regards to Spurs. One positive, one negative. Right. Let's go with the negative. That's more fun. No, the negative is actually going to take <laughs> some time. I know it's more fun, but okay. it's actually right. quite. I actually feel quite sad about talking about it. To be fair, because it doesn't actually impact Spurs now. Spurs actually got re- offloaded the problem, right? Um, it became evidence problem, and it's evidence problem now. And I'll get to that in a minute, right? Um, but I was glad to see, and I don't know the man, right? But I was glad to see that Scott Munn um, has been appointed Chief Football Officer at Tottenham and will take charge of all footballing departments. And Scott Munn is an Australian. So uh, that was really good to see an Australian actually replace Fabio Paradici. Um, so he's obviously serving his suspension. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, that um, caught my eye and it was really good to see. So hopefully. Formerly of Melbourne City, of course. Correct, correct. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, that we can actually, as football administrators or, you know, budding football administrators or football people, we can actually rely on the experience of someone like Scott Munn for future direction and, and you know, impact on on the game here locally, um, have, you know, dealing in um, the English Premier League because the fact is it's the, the most viewed uh, league in the world. So, Do yeah, you think so- this increases the odds even just a little bit of the next manager being Ange? No. No? No. If Ange goes, I love Ange, as you know, right? Um, if Ange goes to Spurs now, I think he's making a mistake. I think he needs to say Celtic. He needs to well, – I'll tell you what Ange – this is what I believe Ange needs, is a successful season with Celtic in the Champions League, better than what they did this season currently, um, which could even be perhaps a good run in the Europa League rather than – you know, okay, if you can manage to get out of the group and qualify into the round of um, 32 or uh, 16, I should say, right? Great in the Champions League. But if you finish third and you drop into the Europa League, well, hey, it's on, right? Because I think that Celtic side would do something in the in the uh, Europa League like we saw Rangers almost get there. But, I mean, this Celtic side's better than Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. This Celtic side's better than last year's Rangers. And, yeah, I, I do agree with you that... Ange, I think, needs to prove himself a little bit more in Europe before it's making a big move. It's and... not. It's not a matter of proving himself. I actually think mm. it's it's actually building his story rather than actually proving himself. It's his own story, right? And it's I, a story, I think and it's a journey club, that sorry. He's, sorry, I was going to say, and it's a journey that he's actually taking the Celtic club administration and, importantly, the supporters along with you know this um, with this management team. So yeah, the reason I say proving himself is that. From those who don't necessarily have first-hand experience with him. So, obviously, we do, the Japanese football public do, now the Scottish do. Mm -hmm. When it comes to big teams, 
there's still that element of doubt. Can he do it in the Premier League? Can he do it in Europe? These sorts of things, these question marks will remain. We know it. We know that those are not real valid mm-hmm. and that he is good enough to manage that level. Mm-hmm. But for those who have seen what he's done with Celtic, there's still going to be that lingering doubt. Yeah. Can, can he manage in a, you know, in Stoke on a cold Tuesday night? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're kind of saying, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. simply put, he hasn't managed a top flight club football. He has. The he just hasn't managed. Top... Hang on. No, he just hasn't happened to manage in the EPL. But he's managed in top flight football in all the countries that he's actually been a manager in. Oh, first division, yes, but that's not what I'm saying. Okay, I'm what saying, are you saying then? I'm saying the Premier League mm. alongside La Liga, okay. Serie A, Bundesliga, right. that mm. is the top echelon for club football. Yes. Six games in the Champions League doesn't count. No, I agree. Is Kizunorba still at La Troie? For now. Yeah. <laughs> for now. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not saying that to be smart. Mm. I'm just uh, like because I yeah. haven't heard anything like uh, oh, okay. like uh, in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I think patience might be running out for, yeah. for Paddy. Yeah, I, I hope um, he manages to stay there because I think he's actually um, another manager that has backed himself and I think would do really well in Scotland. Sticking with French football a little bit, did you see that uh, Danny Genro got an assist on mm-hmm. his uh, Ligue 1 debut? Mm-hmm. I did actually. Game. Yeah, it was good. Mm. Yeah, that was good to see. Actually, I've forgotten man of Australian football to a degree because, um, uh, yeah, because yeah, he missed MacArthur out on the World Pipe. Cup, yeah, missed out on the World Cup, so mm. yeah, but um, but the other story, which actually is quite sad, I think. Let me take you back to when oh, Jose, right. we're talking about Spurs, yes, <laughs> we let got take, on a tangent, <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, take you back to when Jose was managing Spurs and all or nothing, and there was a particular conversation that he had with one player that caught you know that caught everyone not by surprise but actually thought you know what he's 100% right and that player happens to be one Deli Ali. I feel sorry for Delhi. he has now been he has been injured right uh, but now his loan spell at Besiktas is over and he's uh, been spotted in Liverpool so he's actually gone back to Everton to resume treatment for his injury and um, Sean Dyche was just aware of it, but he said, yeah, I'm aware of it, but that's all I know about it. And that, to me, does not look good. Essentially, he, no, failed, it doesn't. he failed at Besiktas as well. Yeah, he did. And it's been a massive fall from grace. It's one that I don't really recall another player dropping off in that sort of level that early in his career that fast, going from England and one of the best young players in English football on his decline now to failing at Besiktas. And... Yes, that conversation he had with Jose where uh, Jose said that uh, you'll live to regret yep. your attitude and yep. the current outlook on your career. Yep, Jose was right. But also, I think it's okay as well because, I mean, we've seen so many players have late blooms to their mm-hmm. career. Yep. They get on the top scene at 27, 28, yep. they have a, and they have a very good couple of years towards the end of their football career. Yep. Sometimes you see the inverse. Sometimes you see players burst on the scene and then they tail off in the mid-20s and go into retirement. Like um, Izzy Brown was mm. a, a young player coming through at Chelsea mm. at the Championship and he's just retired this at the moment uh, for the new season. So for me, it's not a case of, well, there's always going to be that sense of what could have been with Deli Alley, but I'm also not too disappointed because that's just how some things go. That's how some careers go. They start well and they fizzle out and 
Well, Deli Ali is going to have no real financial trouble, mm. provided he's got all that in order mm-hmm. behind the scenes, got the right people in his life looking after that side of things. And sure. We've seen horror stories in the last month or so. There was yeah, we um, have. Craig Bellamy, who's yeah. lost all his money. Yeah. No gambling, no drugs, no drinking, nothing of that. And he's still gone broke just because he mm-hmm. trusted the wrong people. Yeah. Very and sad. Very sad. Very sad as well. So mm. um, with Ali provide he's got all that in order. He's going to be fine. But uh, yeah, we'll have the moments that uh, Deli Ali was uh, the, brighting, the bright shining star, I suppose. Yeah. I'd, you'd never like to see potential wasted, right? It, it always leaves a bad taste in, in your mouth, I think, right? That kid could have been anything if he, and he was warned. He was warned, right? And that's the thing. Right. If he, if we didn't know that he was warned, we'd be like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. But mm. it's just he he like Mourinho didn't have to do that. All Mourinho would, could have said is, you know what, you're a lazy prick when it comes to training, right? <laughs> and that's it. And you're not yeah. being picked. Mm. And I don't care about how that makes you feel. But Mourinho, right? And you know, much to derision, right? Um, but Mourinho actually was quite human about it and saying, you know what, mate, you're going to regret your career if you don't get your shit together and actually, because you're, pl- you're, and think about it this way, right? Look, nobody, no one of us, me mortals, can understand the p- kind of pressure that goes into being an elite sports person, right? Trying to apply their trade at that level, right? And the psychological, the, the psychological impact and effort and that's required, right? And that's sustained. But it is a privileged position. They're well commit. They're well remunerated for it, and quite rightly, right. But um, would anybody love to be in Deli Ali's shoes to actually say, you know what? I'm a player. I'm a professional football player. Player. I'm getting paid to actually improve and train, and something might come out of it. <laughs> Whilst this kid had all the talent in the world, and he did, he set the world alight. And yeah, okay, you get found out, but it's how you bounce back from it. Like, look at Grealish, for instance. Look at you know, and the price tag. Price tag does not weigh on his mind at all, and he's actually become a better player because he was a sponge, and he actually decided that you know what, I'm gonna stop being a dick. I'm gonna you know, I realize I have been a dick, right? I need to pull, you know get my shit together and actually play. And it's taken Jack Grealish long enough to uh, get his feet under the table there at City, but now that he has, he looks like a fantastic player and. Worthy of the price tag that City forked out for him. Um, and, yeah, and his sense of professionalism appears to. When you see him talk now after post match, yes, he's still got that sense of humour, but he actually sounds like he knows what he's talking about, rather than you know sounding like a dick, right? Which is yeah, what he, yeah, he you're right. Which is what he could get away with in the first year, right? Mm. Not anymore, and he knows that, and he's up his game, and you can see that he's professional. You know, his his approach to things is far more professional. And that's what Mourinho was getting at, that, mate, you're going to regret this opportunity that you've been given, right, and the career that you've had. And he could have been a club legend at that place, right, along with Harry Kane and Son, right? Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't to be, right? So, yeah, it's very, very sad, very, very sad to see a player not cut it at the Turkish Super League, which isn't a mugs league, right? Delhi Ali would be found out in Greece. I'll tell you that now. He wouldn't last in Greece, right? Um, I'm just trying to think of other leagues. Like, you know, Delhi Ali would struggle. He'd struggle down here. I think he would struggle in the A League too. Yeah. Forget, M- forget MLS. He will not mm. see MLS, right? 
and he won't see A-League, unfortunately. So thing is, we don't know what's going on in the mind of Deli Ali. He's the we only don't know yeah. whether it is the case that it is laziness or if he may, maybe he got sick of the lifestyle of yep. being a professional footballer. That yep. we've heard a lot about this from James Madison as well. Yeah, that he's had in the past come out publicly and say that it is fatiguing the lifestyle. No yes, doubt. the football is one thing, but everything that happens away from the pitch, away from training, away from the club altogether. It is a 24-7 job being a yeah. footballer yeah. where you have to watch every single thing that you do, every single mm. thing that you eat, every single person you interact with. It must at some point just go, enough, I'm sick of it. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, and no, maybe yeah. that's what's happened with Delia. I don't know. I'm speaking in hypotheticals and surmising, but mm. maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great hypothetical. I think that's indeed what's actually happened. Uh, I just hope he has people around him that can support him. And, um, you know, look after him because he's going to need that, I think. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he's in a very good place mentally and that he's comfortable with everything as it's panned out. So, and if that's the case, all power to him, good luck to him. But yeah, you just hate to see potential go to waste like that. And, man, that kid could play football on his day. Yeah, absolutely. And. Just as a as a slight comparison, we can talk about Nick Kyrgios in the same sort of vein that oh dear, yeah, he's always said that tennis is a job to him. Yeah, he plays it because he's good at it, not because he likes it. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe that same scenario with Deli Ali. He plays football because he's good at it, not because he likes playing football. Yeah, and yeah, maybe no doubt. Again, it's all it's yeah. all surmising. We have yeah. no idea what's going on, but yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. But um, yeah, so. There are a couple of things that caught my eye this week <laughs> uh, in line with the extensive list that you had, which is great, actually. It's bloody unreal. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, there's a whole host of things that just pop up. and Yeah. They, they get they written kind of, on, a, on a Google Doc and, yeah. yeah they, they kind of take care of themselves, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, um, Les, what are you looking forward to this weekend? I'm nervous about um, Newcastle's trip to Aston Villa. They're on a good run, Villa. They are, mate. They're sixth. They are. And I've got it's another cool. question here from one it's of the back peggers. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, go on. So a question from another back pegger. Justin Hallam has written in. Yeah. And he is no, a Villa Justin. supporter, mm-hmm. full disclosure. He's yep. a Villa supporter. Yeah. And after seven games unbeaten, sitting in sixth, he wants us to, to let him know how far Villa can go this season and into the next as well. Uh, shout out to my mate Trent Sweeney as well. Actually, he's a mad Villa supporter. Um, well, Bob, here. Shout out to uh, yeah, Redders, Stuart, Stuart Redman. Redman. Yeah. Mm. Indeed, indeed. And the any Villa other, supporters in our lives, and, and any <laughs> other Villa supporter. Great club. Um, now, can they finish in six? Yes, they can, and uh, and I hope that they do. Is fifth uh, out of reach? I think so. I think so. Look, it's not beyond the realms of possibility, right? But mm-hmm. uh, uh, to be fair, I haven't had a look at their run home. I don't know how stacked it is. I know I've been looking at Arsenal's and Newcastle's and Manchester City's run home. Because, <laughs> hey, we're top three, right? But, <laughs> but um, yeah. sorry, I just I thought I'd rub that in. Oh, but, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, great win at Bournemouth, by the way, just quietly. But anyway, Yeah, I mean... 
Look, it is an impressive sorry, win. Sorry, but sorry, Newcastle sorry. can go there and get three points. Yeah. Tough. It's, it's, it is a bit of a cliche, tough yeah. place to go, but that yeah. actually is a really tough it, place it to go. It is a tough place to go. And a, getting mm. back to this game, though, I just mm. pulled up my phone. Villa. Okay. Yep. Between now and the end of the season, Newcastle. Not in order, but they still mm. have to play Newcastle, Brentford, mm. Fulham, Man United, mm. Spurs, Liverpool, and Brighton. That's a tough run home. That's a tough run, but if they're able, to, that's opportunity ridden as well. Yeah, look, and look, there's an opportunity. I, I just, I think that we can beat, like Newcastle United can beat Villa. I'd be happy with the draw. I would, I would take a draw on Saturday because Villa are in four. Um, so yeah, that that's a tough one. But can they finish in a European spot? Yes, I think they can. I think it'll be a Europa League spot or a um, Conference League spot. But yeah, that's where I think they'll finish. How about you? I do agree with you. I think they will come top seven now. I think maybe with Brighton's games in hand, they might fall out of sixth between now and the end of the season. But if they come seventh and they qualify into the Conference League next season, we all know you and I, Emery, mm. you can't rule them out of winning the Conference League next season if they qualify for it. <laughs> European champions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. the amount of times he's won the Europa League and Conference League with Sevilla and Villarreal. Mm. Yeah, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. It's very hard to argue. <laughs> Aston Villa goes straight into like the top four favourites. Yeah, incredible run. Incredible run since the World Cup. Absolutely incredible run. Um, things are hotting up in Spain, though, as well, I think, in the uh, relegation battle there. Mm-hmm. And we, we've yeah. spoken about the um, we've spoken about the relegation battle in England, but Elche are gone, right? So you've got two relegation spots, and you've got, listen to this, listen to these clubs, Espanyol, Valencia, Real Valladolid, Almeria, Getafe, Cadiz, Sevilla, right? Mallorca, that's 12th down to 19th. And they are separated by seven points. Amazing. Amazing. It's pretty much just as good as the Premier League's relegation battle. So I'm looking forward to uh, Villarreal and Real Valladolid. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be a cracking game, actually, as well. So, um, yeah, so there's a, a couple of things that are on my radar. We've also um, got the Basque derby this weekend. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Yeah. Athletic Club against Real Sociedad. And watch that. That'll be good. If you can, mm. yeah, get onto it. Through Quarter the past midnight Saturday night, mm. Sunday morning. Mm. Uh, uh, well worth a watch. Yeah, I think so. I think that'll be a cracking game. I think, I think uh, that... Yeah, go on. Sorry. No, 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 no. I was just going to say. I, I was think moving that... on, sir. No, no, move on, please. No, I thought. I think that'll be a cracking game, though. All jokes aside. We've also got uh, first versus second in France, PSG against Lyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that. It's doable for them, Lons. Yeah, I know, but they have to win, though. They have to win, and then they have to keep winning. Yeah. All right, and uh, wait for PSG to drop another one, which is not beyond the realms of um, possibility. It's Definitely possible, but it's unlikely. There was some negative press about uh, Christoph Goltier this week that uh, was unconfirmed, so I won't talk about it. But mm-hmm. if it is true, then, uh, yeah, it's uh, not a good look for him. Yeah. Um, I think he's gone at the end of the season too, by the way. Yeah. Um, shout out to Angelo Tolocco from Heartbeat of Football as well. At Ipswich Town. Mm. Their run ended. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but there are 82 points. Look. Automatic promotion is still a possibility there. They've got Plymouth Argyle and Sheffield Wednesday in front of them. But, um, yeah, it's uh, things are definitely heating up in League One there as well, in the top three spots. Absolutely. And uh, I mentioned it last week, unknowing 
that it wasn't on last weekend, but it's on mm-hmm. this weekend, mm-hmm. is the WSL, Manchester United against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. The next chapter of this crazy title race we have. Yeah. As well as the semi-finals of the A-League Women's. I was going to say the dub. Mm. We're up to the semi-final stage of the dub. And we got a Melbourne derby. Yes. Yes. And uh, Sydney are at home. Sydney FC are at home. So, um, yeah, keep your uh, eyes posted for that. I think um, I think this year's A-League W has been just absolutely um, absolutely great to watch, to be fair, considering the conditions that they've that some of the games were played in. My Lord, uh, how those girls have managed to um, to play in 3 p.m. kickoffs in heat like that during the season. Uh, mm. You know, full credit to you. So, absolutely, sh- very much looking to those games. Mm. So, should we go to our obscure leagues mm. for this season? Let's so have a look. Let's go to Colombia Apertura first and see how America de Cali have fared. And well, we had a three-one loss to uh, Aguilas on the weekend. Actually, I think it was earlier today. And um, a couple of red cards in that game, a feisty affair. Uh, fitting for one for two teams near the top of the table, but uh, America de Cali have come out on the wrong end of it. Mm. And they got another tough game coming up on Monday against uh, Atletico Nacional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was another team near the top. Mm. Yeah. Whilst um, my lot, Deportivo Cali, had a nil or draw. Surprise, surprise against Lake with that. Another draw. Another draw. Another draw. And uh, away to Independiente Medellin tomorrow. Actually, tomorrow morning, Thursday, 11 a.m. Sydney time. And then uh, on Sunday morning, 9 a.m., they're playing Union Magdalena. So there you go. So that's If only happening. we could watch these games, Laz. Uh, oh, there's got to be a way. DAZN must have something, seriously. But <laughs> 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 well, I don't know if I want to watch my team because they're coming last, you know. Uh... So, whilst yours are flying, your guys are flying in third. But anyway. Yeah, we're falling off a little bit, though. A uh, couple of uh, injuries that have come at the wrong time. Let's chuff off to Vietnam and the mm-hmm. V League. Back in full swing. Yes, back in full swing. And how did Ho Chi Minh City get on? How did Ho Chi Minh City get on? Loss to Hanoi last Saturday, 3 1. Hmm. But you knew that already. You just wanted me to say that. Go on. <laughs> you know how me about, too well. <laughs> how about your mob? Uh, Kong Aunt, we had a one all draw on the weekend against Hai Phong. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we record, mm-hmm. uh, I think about 15 minutes before we actually started recording yes. tonight, yes. back up late, uh, the match between uh, Kong An and uh, Binduong finished, and it was 2-1 to uh, Kong An, so uh, yes, three points in the correct. bank. There you go. Whilst uh, Ho Chi Minh City will be playing tomorrow night at uh, quarter past 10 Sydney time against Bin Din. Bin Din. Bin Din. Very so, good. And yes. uh, the next game for Kong An is on uh, Sunday against Nam Din. Mm. So Ho Chi Minh City are at the bottom of the table again. Nathan, <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> you know how to pick them. Yeah. Yeah. I know how to pick my obscure leagues, don't I? Yep. <laughs> well, the leagues are good. Your choices for teams, eh. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> not so much. But uh, yes, if anyone has got any other suggestions about uh, any leagues that we should follow, let us know at the back peg on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I'd be happy to follow the Alsvenskan, which is the Swedish league, mm-hmm. uh, or any other league, or the uh, Vekus Liga, which is the Finnish league. So Yeah, the Finnish league, yeah. Either way, even the Irish league, the Irish Premier Div- Division. 
be happy to follow that. So let's have a or let us know. Your I'd thoughts. also like to uh, cast out the uh, the South African League as well. Yeah, get some Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates going. Orlando maybe. Pirates, there you go. Mm. <laughs> good shout, good shout. So yes. So, if you've got an obscure league that you want us to cover from uh, any obscure part of the world, doesn't have to be on TV, doesn't have to be in Europe, doesn't have to be in our own backyard, can be anywhere. We can uh, dive into it, pick a team and get invested. And ride them to death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to ride them to relegation. In my case. Also anyway. glory. <laughs> in my case. So, yes. So I think we've hit the back peg, Nathan. We've had a lot. To, yes, uh, we've hit the back peg. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who's uh, checked out this episode. Thank you to all the backpeggers who get in touch via Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all the feedback on the uh, new and improved Twitter. Yes, yes, thank you. And uh, it, it should be good. So uh, yeah. thank Just you, Lazarus, well for joining us here always. on the show again. Oh, mate, it's and we'll speak to you soon. It's always a pleasure to join everyone on the backpeg. Thank you for your listenership, uh, your interaction with us, and Guys, just please check out heartbeatoffootball.com.au slash make it red. Um, the dates are if you get your local club involved or your MPL club involved, right? Reach out to the guys at uh, Heartbeat of Football. The dates are Friday, 28th of April through to Sunday, 30th of April. You can donate. All funds will go to the Victor Chang uh, Cardiac Institute, likewise, Heartbeat of Football to help them run the fantastic test days that they do. Follow them on there on on uh, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and any other social um, uh, media that you can uh, that you would like to. Uh, it's just an absolutely great cause, and we just don't want to see people die um, playing the game that they love unnecessarily. So yeah, it's it's um, really hits at the heart, and I don't mean that as a pun at all. So yeah, and so, it works well all the same. Yeah, well yeah. said, Laz. Well said, and. Uh... Andy and the team do a fantastic job and um, but they need all the help they can get so as we said at the top of the show if you can spare some money spare some change and you're able to do so then uh, why not send it over to Heart Better Football and uh, we've got the link on our socials so once again thank you everyone for tuning into the show and uh, we'll see you soon thanks guys take care 